Welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate Podcast. My name is Pat Locke from the G10 FX Strategy Team. From the FX side, we've got a pretty loaded calendar coming up over the next seven days. And so with me to break down the policy events are Arindam Sindelia, co-head of JP Morgan's Global FX Strategy Team, and my colleagues James Delgan and Wandran Vara out of London. Uh, but first, you know, another pretty remarkable week in the FX space. Uh, question heading into this week was whether the market would be willing to really push the envelope on dollar weakness and build on last week's huge slump, or would the dollar consolidate instead uh, around lower levels? Intellectually, at least, I think we had been sympathetic to the latter, uh, though we took down our dollar risk anyway, in particular because, as we argued last week, tactical conditions, namely positioning and valuations, weren't nearly as one way as they had been, say, in the fourth quarter of last year. Uh, while our read of global growth was that it's still really not strong enough to deliver the kind of sustained dollar weakness uh, like you had in 2017, the back half of 2020, or, or even around the turn of this year. And on that note, I think it's worth highlighting up front that our economics team has actually uh, taken down both our Europe and China year-over-year growth for forecast targets this week. Uh, and historically, that's a pretty straightforwardly bullish dollar signal. Uh, and so the broad dollar ends up a percent and a half higher this week than the lows, basically retracing the, the post-CPI move. And uh, U.S. yields basically did the exact same thing. Two-year yield goes up about 25 basis points. Uh, and so for now, that's meant that the euro dollars rolled over basically to the low 111s. It abandoned the 112 handle that had been pretty sticky since uh, you know the CPI print last week. Cables had a pretty good sell-off under the 128 handle. And uh, dollar yen this morning is back up above 141. The one exception to that maybe was dollar CNH, which continues to trade, uh, you know, surprisingly on its own. And maybe that's a good segue uh, to pivot over to you, Arindam. Um, as I said, we're taking this opportunity to look ahead to discuss, you know, implications from next week's slate of policy events. Um, so I thought maybe I'd go in order of potential biggest bang or surprise factor. Uh, and so, Arindam, let's start with the China's Politburo meeting. Um, I do wonder if the Politburo meeting has maybe been flying under the radar uh, for some G10 investors. Our research uh, from you has basically framed the meeting around, you know, the outlook for CNY rates. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit how you see the rates picture, how that can help frame the CNY reaction, uh, and maybe highlight whether there's any kind of specific policy lever that might um, you know, elicit a particularly strong effect response. Um, and kind of related to that, do you have any kind of like, you know, tactical ranges uh, or targets on the back of this meeting? Hi, Pat. Uh, thanks. You know, I, I think you might be right that the uh, Politburo meeting may not uh, register on uh, from DM investors, but certainly for the EM crowd, I think uh, it's probably been the most talked about Politburo meeting in recent memory. Uh, uh, we've had a series of... Uh, Articles, stroke leaks from official sources indicating various forms of easing that could be coming, including what looked to me like reasonably important ones on property. Uh, on the FX side, as we know, for the last uh, two, three weeks, the PBOC has been um, you know, waging a battle against CNY weakness. Yesterday, we got some uh, announcements from the SAFE and PBOC uh, raising the cross-border macroprudential adjustment parameter for corporates and institutions, uh, essentially making it uh, easier for them to uh, borrow externally and bring those funds back home, which would amount to an inflow. But uh, we feel this is kind of symbolic, uh, given that cost of borrowing abroad is obviously a whole lot more than, than borrowing domestically. 
but since uh, China tends to take an all-of-government approach to policy making, the market should have looked at uh, these PBOC moves and said uh, something reasonably big could be coming out of the Politburo. And yet the strange dichotomy is that uh, for all of these discussions in the market, the feeling very much is that uh, it's probably not. And the sense is that even if we get any easing, it's going to be one-off. It's not something that one can extrapolate into a series of similar or bigger measures that amounts to a meaningful easing cycle, You know, either because authorities... Uh, do not have adequate fiscal room to ease public debt to GDP is already around 100% of GDP, or because uh, there's a sense that uh, fiscal or for that matter, even monetary easing is not really the medicine uh, for the fapping of private sector confidence that has happened over the past couple of years, first as a result of COVID and then the sort of regulatory changes that we know have happened in China. Uh, so my personal feel is that, listen, I think the trend story that the market is running with is probably the right one. But from a tactical or an event standpoint, uh, we could be flirting with complacency here. And uh, hence, there is there is some, some risk that uh, bearish China trades could be in for a bit of a painful backup, at least over the short term. The good news from our standpoint as FX people is that, uh, you know, when we run our studies asking what happens when, you know, China data surprises, for example, revert uh, in a V-shaped fashion from the lows, possibly because of you know, positive policy pushes, uh, FX isn't the asset class that rallies the most. Uh, history shows that it's China yields that tend to back up the most. And because in the past, these pushes have been intracentric, commodities also tend to have some sort of a reaction. So on the whole, um, you know, we are staying with the trend story. We have a bearish take on CNY here. Uh, we're still targeting something in the 725, 730 range uh, for the rest of the year with a bit of an upside bias around that. But fully acknowledging that so long as uh, PBOC is is driving uh, CNY in the short term, in the lead up to the Politburo at least, uh, probably spot remains range bound from here. Thanks, Arvindam. Uh Just drilling down on on that last point you were making, talking about the, the broader FX response. I mean, specifically, how would you think about the meeting with respect uh, to the dollar? Let's say just for the sake of argument, we get something uh, more powerful than expected uh, you know, we tend to think about the dollar um, with an anti-cyclical framework. Presumably, that would lead to some slug of dollar weakness, but at the same time, it's occurring in the context of, uh, you know, con continued China growth downgrades. Like I said up front, uh, we took our year-over-year -year 2023 forecast from 55 down to 5% this year. So, um, you know, what, what would you make of the spillover into the G10 FX space? Yeah, no, I think spillover is going to be relatively limited, Pat, for the reasons that you described I mean, anyways, the market has a memory of uh, China growth uh, beta this year being much lower than historically uh, uh, what's been the case. Um, so, so the nature of uh, China's importance to the rest of the uh, world, at least financial markets-wise, uh, seems to be in some sort of flux. On top of that, you have these, uh, you know, the the debate between. Uh, a tactical overshoot versus the possibility that the trend still points lower in terms of, of potential uh, China policy easing. So, uh, you know, given that my sense is maybe a knee-jerk higher in commodity currencies, maybe a knee-jerk lower in the dollar, but it doesn't stick. Um, at the end of the day, um, I think uh, the broader global growth and the Fed policy cycle matter a whole lot more for the dollar here. Great. Thanks for that. Um, sticking with you, just turning to the BOJ, um, we've had a bit of news overnight that perhaps they're not actually going to do anything on YCC, which was essentially our baseline expectations, but um, you know, a fairly high degree of uncertainty there. Um, 
you know, thinking about you know, maybe that takes some of the tactical surprise out of next week for dollar yen. Um, but, you know, we still have to go through the meeting. Um, we're still thinking about the BOJ in the context of pretty significant policy divergence on a sustained basis uh, with NERP. Um, you know, what do you make of the tactical setup for dollar yen now, especially with the news in hand? And uh, how are you thinking about it more broadly going forward uh, through the back half of this year? Well, honestly, Pat, I would have preferred that they adjusted the YCC this meeting so we could all be done with uh, this uh, sword that's hanging over our head so we can uh, try to trade the medium-term yen story that we've been telling, the one around uh, you know a, a balance of payments picture that looks very different, as well as the possibility of a once-in-a-generation shift in behavior by households out of yen into, into overseas currencies. Uh, but uh, you know, you're right. I think, uh, you know, gun to my head, we probably already have the result of next week's NPM in hand, unless, and this is uh, you know a, a possibility that some clients have flagged today, is it could be another BOJ ploy to guide the market in a certain direction, only to wrong foot it later. We've seen this before, but uh, in my personal sense, this is not the Corona BOJ. Uh, we've heard Governor Rueda's comments at Centra. They're consistent with his prior remarks on uh, needing to be slow and deliberate on policy changes. Uh, and one has to acknowledge the uh, the narrative in the market that uh, one of the reasons why Governor Rueda has been brought in is to reestablish the BOJ's communication credibility with the market. So I'm tempted to say that uh, you know we sort of know what's coming next week. The tactical risk for the for the yen from here, I think uh, the bulk of the uh, dollar yen backup is probably behind us. Maybe it continues to grind higher a little more, and then it takes a breather couple of days into the meeting because of the possibility, maybe a tail risk at this point that uh, something goes wrong. But uh, you know the, uh, the dolly and plunge that we saw last week, which was in part driven by uh, uh, comments uh, leading to market speculation that you could get uh, a major YCC tweet this I think that's, that's going to, in the fullness of time, let's say over the next week or so, almost entirely reverse. Thanks very much, Arindam. Uh, James, let's bring you into the fold. We got the ECB coming up next week. Uh, you know, on the one hand, Lagarde kind of nailed on this meeting, saying it was very likely, which in central bank parlance is about as explicit, you know, as you can get for forward guidance. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, you've seen some cross currents develop. Uh, we've raised our terminal rate up to four percent on the back of the last meeting, but at the same time, we've been downgrading our growth outlook. So seemingly, some uh, some cross currents or some crosswinds. Uh, you know, for Euro, um, we've discussed the importance of growth, you know, underpinning Euro, uh, Euro FX um, on the back of, you know, uh, race repricing and things like that in the past. Um, but in terms of risks around the meeting, you know, what exactly are you expecting, uh, you know, from the statement and from Lagarde? And um, how are you thinking about the, the risk setup, the skew of risks to Euro going into the meeting? Sure, Patrick. Yeah. So, the easy part, as you say, should be the the twenty five basis points hike that's that's priced for next Thursday. But but the ECB have remained vague on guidance for rates beyond July. So we would expect the statement next week to maintain that tone of of a kind of meeting by meeting data dependent stance. Uh, but we have had some recent ECB commentary suggesting a September hike isn't guaranteed, despite. Uh, some uh, obviously the hawkish uh, staff forecasts in terms of growth and inflation. Uh, so 
some comments from from ETB Hawk not um, on Tuesday saying uh, more hikes beyond July could shift the balance of risks uh, towards over tightening. Uh, we don't get a fresh round of forecast next week, so there's there's less information there for for markets. But any any bias from Lagarde in, in the press conference for for the stance beyond July should act um, as as the main signal for for euro on the day. Um, and just zooming out, it is it is interesting for for euro dollar that rate spreads have struggled to to make much progress since since the soft C, US CPI print. Uh, that's probably frustrated the market. And uh, contributed to the the fall back below 112, uh, especially as we've, as we've seen uh, eurozone uh, growth downgrades from our economists, as as you mentioned, um, ahead of uh, the PMI data on Monday, which which could be soft again, um, with the market looking for for a lower composite number there. Uh, but overall, we'd say that you know, given the the recent ECB commentary has been slightly more on on the dovish side. Um, then the, the risks are, are probably for for slightly weak signalling for for a September hike from from Lagarde um, in the press conference next week, um, in combination with potentially softer PMIs, could could uh, see euro dollar look to test uh, the the hundred day moving average, which comes in around just below one oh nine area. Uh, but moving on to the Fed, Patrick, uh, July pretty much nailed on for the Fed. But no uh, SEP forecasts, uh, so focus will be on on how Powell frames the inflation fight uh, following last week's uh, CPI. Uh, can that catalyze? Can that catalyze any any major dollar volatility? And um, if so, are, are risks skewed to to either side at all? Yeah, thanks, James. Um, so I think overall expectations for this meeting in particular are fairly muted. No dots or anything, as you suggest. Uh, that said, you know, my personal sense is that FX could still have some decent moves on the day as our markets try to interpret Powell's reading, you know, the CPI release from last week and you know, progress being made on disinflation more generally. Um, obviously, in markets, a lot, you know, a lot's retraced since last week, um, but the market obviously wanted to embrace, you know, the soft landing Goldilocks narrative last week, which was dollar negative. So the question for our markets is, you know, does Powell skew towards acknowledging more progress or does he stick really to his tone that insufficient progress has been made uh, and highlight, you know, discrepancies, discrepancies like perhaps that, um, you know, PCE or components of PCE aren't quite following the same track, uh, lower like, you know, CPI. Uh, between those two scenarios, I don't think there's a very clear skew of risk to the dollar, just given the data in hand against, you know, the constraints that they have in terms of messaging. Um, you know, as our economist wrote uh, in the weekly last week, uh, declaring victory with sub 4% unemployment and over 4% core inflation would be reckless. Um, and so, you know, I think that's that's pretty pretty straightforward, I think, in terms of how much, how narrow the contours are of what Powell is actually going to give us. Um, I would note tactically, though, that the dollar is maybe a little bit cheap on some short-term fair value metrics, which is notable. Uh, but again, after the move higher this week and after yields retraced all that way, takes out some of the risks of the bigger moves, I think, in the dollar. Um, if he does kind of stick to the more hawkish than expected kind of tone. Um, so bottom line is that the skew of risks for me from an FX perspective are not especially one way. Um, but as you kind of alluded to, you know, we've discussed how the dollar has been conforming a little bit more to relative rates 
than outright yield levels in recent months. Um, so I'll be thinking about the dollar through that prism as well, um, especially you know given the other meetings and developments we'll have uh, simultaneously next week. Um, and so in other words, does the Fed give us something that's clearly directionally divergent than say what the ECB gives us uh, in a in a way that really motivates kind of a, a decoupling in terms of relative rates, uh, that should be a relatively good signal, I think, you know, to either weigh on the dollar or to support it, uh, you know, depending on what happens from the Fed, ECB, et cetera. Um, finally, one, um, let's bring you into the conversation. Um, you know, we've noted overnight balls have been trending down around kind of major central bank meetings and data releases um, throughout this year. Are you seeing anything different heading into next week? Um, what stands out to you as kind of opportunistically rich or cheap on your vol screens? So that's right, Patrick. Uh, we've seen overnight vols generally declining around the major central bank meetings as the potential range of terminal rates uh, you know, have become narrower. Look, looking to next week from the point of FX volatility, if we consider the three key meetings on the calendar, is the BOJ that's carrying the heaviest uh, event risk premium. In fact, it's almost doubled the combined overnight um, volatility of the Fed and ECB, both of which, funnily enough, uh, fall, fall on the same volatility date. So let's talk about the BOJ for a moment. In terms of uh, event risk, for the meeting next Friday, the overnight uh, straddle break-even in dollar-yen is pricing 128 basis points or 31 volatility points, which is roughly equivalent to 1.8 yen move. Now, there's always a chance that the July BOJ meeting will be a game-changer for the yen, but we're thinking the current event pricing is a bit steep, and here's why. First of all, all uh, a shift in YCC policy isn't a sure thing or even likely at this meeting, especially given the this morning's headlines. Secondly, even if a policy shift does take place, we're not expecting a massive impact on the yen because it wouldn't come as a total surprise unlike the, the, the one December last year. So all things considered, the vent uh, pricing seems a bit bloated. And it might be a good move to sell gamma around the vent. Uh, you know, finally, if the policy change doesn't happen, we could see dollar yen upside driven by CTA players who may add positions more smoothly than macro players who are currently positioned for a dollar yen downturn. Now, if we go deeper into yen vol, the cross yen skew is high enough to consider the discount from put spreads when positioning for a potential YCC adjustment. So we're still leaning towards feeling the cross-yen skew. As for the Fed and ECB meetings next week, the overnight straddle break-evens in Euro-Dollar are pricing at 64 basis points or 15 volatility points. So the risk premium is contained, just like the option positioning around these, these events. And the reason for this in the case of the Fed is that terminal rates now lie within a pretty tight range and data prints have uh, started to carry uh, more weight than Fed meetings. As for the Euro, we won't be getting any new forecasts at this meeting and uh, at the, sorry, at the following meeting, and the market expects the ECB to stay vague about their guidance for future meetings, which reduces the volatility premium price in for the event. 
So the risk premium for the Fed and ECB meetings doesn't seem quite wide enough to fade, nor does it seem too cheap to go long gamma, in our opinion. However, we think that the Fed, at the, we think that as the Fed steps out of the spotlight, there might be a slight low uh, leading to softer FX volatility summer until possibly a shift later in August. In this scenario, front-end volatilities might underperform while we're still uh, constructive on back-end volatilities that appear cheap on various metrics. So for the near future, we're sticking to a short gamma long Vega stance. On top of this, you know, the prospects of the Fed being done and a more plausible soft landing are supportive of tactical and selective, and selective carry and volatility premium scooping. That's it for me, Pat. Thank you. All right, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on July 21st, 2023.